and welcome to Happy Place, the show that proves that every single one of us has good days and bad. I'm Fern Cotton and today, oh my gosh, today I'm chatting to Shania Twain. In the more intense years of being in the spotlight, I was freaking out inside. I hated it. I hated being in the spotlight, but nobody knew it. I'm a good masker. I can mask my fear, my discomfort, and skipping forward to where I am today, I've decided that I'm like, okay, enough with this fear stuff. When you're afraid of something, because sometimes you are, you just got to face them head on and work through them. That's it. There's no other way. Shania really needs no introduction. She's the best-selling female artist in country music history, so I'm pretty sure you know exactly who she is. Although... Thinking we know her is exactly why I wanted to have this chat, because we can see her absolutely commanding a stage in some outrageously gorgeous outfits, but we never really know what's going on behind closed doors. So I'll set the scene for you. I'm a mega Shania fan, loved her throughout my teen years, have very much appreciated her newer music adore her new album. I wore my rhinestone cowboy boots, especially for the occasion, even though it was on Zoom. And I was sat in my little shed at the end of the garden. The kids had just finished their tea. My husband was putting them in the bath. I was feeling a bit sleepy because I'm not very good working at night time. But for Shania, I'll do anything. I would have done it at four in the morning, quite frankly. See how you think I fed. Ah, and by the way, for most of this conversation, Shania's dog, a very cute little ball of fluff called Sapphire, was sat on her lap. And you can see that if you watch this episode on YouTube. You can also see what I think is her house in the background. It looks like it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, brace yourselves. Here's the show. Shania. Hello. I've long loved your music. It soundtracked so much of my life and I absolutely love the new album, Queen of Me. I had a sneaky listen. I've been listening to it all week. Giddy Up is obviously incredible. Um, But I also love Pretty Liar. Oh, good. I love the lyric, your pants are on fire, you're such a fucking liar, is (laughs) it's going on a top or a mug or something. It's genius. It's... Uh, it just was very satisfying to decide to to just put it in a song. You know, it sings really well. I mean, it says great too. I mean, it's just something that it's it's the way you would say it. And I always think you know the conversational lyrics are kind of more what I enjoy writing, or at least what I enjoy singing. So 
Anyway, that is something I would say in conversation. Yeah, and we all know a liar, don't we? We all know a big liar. So it's going to be such an anthem for so many people. It's so brilliant. (laughs) I love it. And it seems, musically, lyrically, artwork-wise, it seems like you're just celebrating you with this record. Does it feel like that? Was that the emphasis when you were writing it? It's really celebrating a frame of mind because I wrote the album during COVID, which was like for everyone, you know, scary time, a very uncertain time, lots of unknowns for a lot of people, devastation, and it was just dark and heavy. Um, And my go-to therapy is always songwriting. So when I want to change my mind about something, I uh, show my little girls visiting. Who is this you just brought into shop? This is my little sapphire. Sapphire. Mm-hmm. Because oh. she's got sapphire blue eyes. What mm-hmm. an absolute ball of cuteness. Uh, I know. So I was, I, I wrote the song, of, um, the, the, the album, not as an album. Uh, I, mean, I, n- I never write anything as an album. I mean, I was just writing to write for the sake of my own self-help, my own therapy, which is music is like writing music is like a meditative thing for me so i'm writing deliberately during this time to put myself in a mood to cheer myself up pick up my spirits started uh getting into more up-tempo things that made me feel like i wanted to dance and just making myself smile so so, so if, if i'm writing a lyric that makes me laugh or smile i know i'm on the right track for you know, writing something inspirational or writing something that is um, not only going to cheer me up, but, you know, obviously if I record it, it's going to cheer other people up too. Hopefully that's the idea. So Queen of Me ended up being the perfect title, just taking charge of my own frame of mind, my own thinking, my own thought process, taking charge of my, what I consider my own identity and feeling empowered. So, you know, the song is really all about self-empowerment and identifying or one's own inner courage and independence. You know, there's nothing there's nothing more uh, liberating than the sense of true sense of independence, taking independence, you know. And they're, they're not necessarily easy things to either come by or cultivate, I guess, some of the time, especially with being in charge of your own thoughts. It sounds like such a, a simple thing, but it can often feel like the most difficult thing when you're in a a bad space or you've got that horrible sort of acerbic voice going around your head if you're in self-doubt, et cetera. How, over the years, have you cultivated, I guess, a bit more control over that in in how you think about yourself or or the world around you? Well, there's two, for me, there's two things. Um, First, I always look for a solution. There's always a way. In my mind, you can always find a way to change either the situation and if you can't change the situation then you've got to change your own direction your own directive your own way of looking at it something will give um but you got to search for it you got to look for it and this is where for me the songwriting uh is more than just an attitude the songwriting often determines my attitude and so this is why i'm saying you know songwriting is a real therapy it's kind of like Uh, The reason I use meditation is because there's a lot of mantra element to songwriting. You're repeating a message a lot in a song. Um, You are finding fluid ways of saying things because it's musically 
you're you're obviously trying to be in tune with the musicality of the song, the phrasing, uh, and and I, so as I'm saying this, I'm getting very sing-songy. I'm like phrasing and tone, fluidity. <laughs> um, so anyway, you, you're saying things in a musical way. It starts to get kind of mantra-ish, and then the statements. I like to write with statements, you know. And then that again, if you start repeating things like that, you can put yourself in whatever frame of mind or state of mind you want, really. I think we all have the power to do that. Um, and the songs that I record, I, I'm writing the ones I record to share with other people. And my intentions are important and my intentions are to inspire. So getting myself in a happy place was the goal of this whole album. And I hope that, you know, that's what that's what you hear when you when you listen to it. Yeah, I've been taking big long walks from my local park, listening to the new album, just sort of buzzing because it is just so uplifting and inspiring, and all the things that you've wanted it to be. It's um, it's just brilliant. And and like you say, there is so much power in affirmation in us sort of having that repetition and and using that to create new neural pathways to think differently and you know get ourselves in a better headspace and be able to sort of move through the world more peacefully. It's so important. Yeah. And I think we have to take responsibility for that. It's a self-help. We have to look for whatever self-help tools actually work on us. And for everyone, it's different. You know, um, I, I definitely turn to songwriting for mine and, you know, um, or I mean, if I want, I, I mean, listening as well is a big deal for me. If I'm listening, if I want to cry, then I know what music to put on. If I want to laugh, I know what music to put on. If I want to dance, I know what music to put on. So music for me is medicinal as well. Um, it's it's mm. just, it's the, it's the quickest effect on my psyche, on my pain, on anything, music. Yeah, I love having a good cry on purpose, like putting exactly. something on that makes me weep. Cry on purpose, okay. I think I want to, I love I want it. to put that in a song, cry on purpose. I'm oh my god please put it in a song right please write a song about me and me crying on purpose tonight this is my dream come true no I love it I'll listen to this beautiful music by Ludovico Inaudi the pianist and I just cry sometimes I'll walk around the park crying I don't even care if people see me I love it but it's therapy right it's an outlet it's therapy and okay yeah so here's the lyrics so far so <laughs> wake up with purpose walk with purpose Cry on purpose. Yes. Good for you. Oh my God, we've written a song together. Do I get a credit on that song? Of course, you, you can get a, an ins inspiration credit. <laughs> okay. Why not? I'll take it. I'll take what I can get, quite frankly. <laughs> no, it's the best. I absolutely love it. And it's why I'm very much a music fan is for all those reasons you've just spoken about, being able to evoke all of those emotions and bring them to the surface, whether to vent them or feel them or whatever it might be. It's, it's just the best thing. And I think like... Most other massive Shania fans, um, to have you back with a new album is monumental for so many reasons. One of them being, if anyone watched your amazing documentary um, where you were talking about your health issues that you'd had that had affected your throat hugely and your ability to sing, to have you back producing music is incredible. So how, how's your throat at the moment? It's good. I'm very happy with it. You know, I've had quite a bit of time now to uh, become acquainted with the way it works and how to use it. Um, it's, it's a learning, 
it's an ongoing learning and discovery. So I've been through one visit, uh, residency, Vegas residency. Um, that makes sense. Vegas, whatever. Anyway, a Vegas residency. <laughs> You know, which is a lot of singing on stage and then um, the recording of this album. So I've now about to head on a, a tour. That'll be the first tour with the new throat, <laughs> with my new like throat structure is really the way it is, or my new laryngeal structure. And I'm feeling good about it. I have the volume that I, and the projection that I missed for so many years and control that I missed for so many years. I still have a lot of work to do in maintaining it. And, and, you know, I'm, and that's like, I can't wait to get back in the studio and, and, and make more albums be, while I still have it. So I'm feeling very celebratory about the fact that I still have it. I want to use it as this important music expression that I, you know, would, would be very sad to live without. But I may not have this forever. So, um, yeah, I want to hurry up and make more albums and uh, make all the albums, make all my albums before I'm not able to sing my songs anymore. I mean, I'll be very happy for other people to sing my songs. I really think that that would be a huge pleasure for me anyway, as a songwriter, a whole other kind of pleasure. But I do not take for granted the fact that I I can sing them right mm. now. And even though I do sound a bit different and everything like that, I'll take it. I don't think you do. I think you sound just exactly the same as you've always sounded. And that's why I was so glad to hear this this album. I mean, and also because it was so unfortunate and, and this tiny moment where you get a tick bite, you get Lyme's disease, and then it affects your throat in such a way, that is absolutely devastating. And of course, not only... Do you, well, you obviously you had surgery in the end, but you had to retrain your your voice and, and retrain yourself to sing. But also there's that whole confidence piece that all of a sudden you've got to build the confidence to get back out there, to get back on a stage. How did you do that? Well, before I had surgery is when I really, really, really had to test my courage and my um, commitment to being able to control my voice again because before I had the operation the surgeon said I really think you need to go through a year of trying everything else before we do surgery so all the physiotherapy the speech therapy the the voice gym the, the everything that was non-invasive so I did that and I did manage to do one residency that way and one tour that way and one album that way but it was not sustainable. I was exhausted because it took me an hour and a half to warm up and then another hour and a half of a show. It wasn't physically possible. And on top of that, the condition was deteriorating anyway. I mean, just uh, the tension was just getting more and more slack, like my stomach, like my legs, <laughs> like everything else. It's true. It's just a fact. So as you're aging, all of the soft tissue starts getting more lax just called aging yeah I'm on that downward slope I hear you that's it but it's and I'm so okay with that now and that's a whole other discussion yeah but so I can't change that part I mean I could if I got if I decided to have an intervention but with my voice I either didn't sing again on any level that was going to be satisfying or I got this operation so now I have two crutches on either side of my uh, larynx in in the voice box and uh, it supports the uh, the two nerves that are partially atrophied mm. it's incredible and it's so brilliant that it worked and that the, the the voice training got you back to 
to singing again, thank God. I mean, it seems like throughout your life, from from what I know of it and from watching your documentary and having followed you for a long time, that you are incredibly resilient. Like any any problem, like this throat situation that comes your way, you are able to pick yourself back up again. And that goes right back to when you were a teenager. Why do you think that is? How are you able to... Um, to keep getting back on your feet after these huge life knocks that you experienced? I think resilient is a good one word, at least, that describes me very well. I agree that I am resilient. I am not, however, you know, someone that just bounces back every time she hits the ground. You know, I don't just bounce back. I'm, depending on the situation, depending on um, where I'm at in my life, I sometimes... You know, I can get caught sometimes longer than I want to in a dark place or in a discouraged place. But somewhere along the way, I I climb out of it and or snap out of it or you know, however you want to put it. I mean, I think that that term like just snap out of it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an insensitive thing to say, especially to yourself. It's like, OK, allow yourself to feel you're down you know, recognize uh, that you are or and you know, whatever your negative state of mind is. But at some point, you got to snap out of it. You got to just fucking get on with it. You know, um, you got to find the strength to carry on and to carry on with a, a good attitude. So I can be hard on myself sometimes when it comes to that. But maybe that's part of my resilience. I don't know. I'm just not somebody to, to give up and quit. I'm not somebody to allow myself to linger to the point of self-destruction. Mm. And do you think your your childhood has helped you sort of form those ideas about resilience and that, that you have to pick yourself back up? I mean, even going back to when you were a tiny teenager watching your documentary, um, I didn't know that part of your life, that, you know, you, you were going out and singing in bars at the age of 11 or 12 in the middle of the night and then creeping back home with your, your mum was taking you to these gigs and then you would go to school the next day. It was a, sort of an extraordinary childhood in many ways. Looking back on young Shania, how do you feel about that now? You know, it's many years have passed and also now you're a mum yourself. Yeah, I did start very young and in very unusual circumstances or unusual environments for a child. Eight years old, I started getting up and singing on bar stages and I laugh when I look at the documentary at my, you know, the the tween twain, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the tween, you know, all my gap teeth. And um, I mean, look, there's a lot of things in my childhood that I can say were elements that strengthened my character or helped me to realize that you either it's like do or die and you either you know, you either survive or you don't, you know, it's just really, it's that. So I think I did learn very young how to manage my emotions, not allow fear to overcome me to the point that I was crippled and could not function. It's it's a good and a bad thing because I did develop so much deep stage fright. I think from being that child on a stage that i didn't belong in at eight years old on and that whole environment. I carry that with me really, even now there's certain scenarios that make me feel that way, but uh, I've worked through so much of it, but in the more intense years of being in the spotlight, 
I was freaking out inside. I hated it. I hated being in the spotlight, but nobody knew it. I'm a good masker. I can mask my fear, my discomfort, and skipping forward to where I am today, I've decided that, especially with the appreciation that I can sing again, and I got through that, and and reflecting like the documentary process was great, looking back at all the things I've survived, I'm like, okay, enough with this fear stuff. When you're afraid of something, because sometimes you are, you just got to face them head on and, and work through them. That's it. There's no other way. And it's just a very pragmatic approach to the things that scare me. I, instead of turning them off and masking through them, I actually face them and just, and work, work through them. So talking about saggy skin and all the things that are, you know, that maybe a woman of my age in in menopause uh, might be cringing at or disliking or self, letting self doubt in, letting the fear of being, I guess, exposed as not being perfect, I decided that I would go to the mirror, turn the lights on and look at myself naked and say, all right, how does this feel? And in the honesty to myself, it felt horrible. I felt like turning the lights off, you know, and all I could see were the, were the imperfections in my aging self. So I said, okay, how can I face this and get this to a point where I'm like, huh, except you are, this is who you are. Love it. I can't, you can't change it. So I did a nude photograph session, photography session. And so I went further into my fear in order to to sort of find more healthy, real or realistic perspective on myself. Oh my God, I love that. What a great way yeah, of just- Head first. Yeah, head first. Head first, man. Lights I... on, cameras, yeah, yeah. people. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to force myself through this. Yeah, and also you're taking control and it's very hard for- Women in general to feel okay about themselves in the world we live in. The messaging tells us not to be. So I find it always inspiring to hear stories where women have gone, no, I'm, I'm doing what feels good to me. I'm doing it my way because we don't stand a chance otherwise. It's mad. It really is mad. Everything is against us. Yeah. And it's, I think it's about being healthy. Like, don't you want to just live feeling energetic and 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 positive and and self-confident uh no matter what it is about you that you can't change what 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 can you do about it i mean and that's i mean you can do things about it but they're treacherous and they're painful and they're in my opinion for me anyway unnecessary because you know what i'm going to look in that mirror with the lights on and i'm not i'm just going to be fine with that yeah you know because i'm only getting older I'm only going to get saggier and lumpier or whatever it is that's going to happen. And if I hate myself now, when I look in the mirror, I'm I'm going to, what, what am I, what state of mind am I going to be in in five years, 10 years? And indifference is no good either. You know, what good is indifference? Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to feel this and feel it deep. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to let it hurt for a whole photo session. <laughs> it's brilliant because I think most people out there, myself included, you know, I spent a lot of time talking about it, certainly find self-acceptance, let alone self-love, a very tricky concept. And it, and I do think it it boils down to having a, an element of discipline, sort of a daily something, whatever that might be, to to be your own mate, to to be there for yourself, to trust yourself. And it's it's no easy thing to do, but um, 
but it's doable. Well, because otherwise, you know, I you get out, you can get preoccupied with thinking about how to change it. Yeah. So okay, I look at something. Okay, I don't like my skin there. Oh, I don't like this here. I don't. And then I'm thinking, okay, how can I change that? Well, why do I even go there? With my, what, what what am I even wasting my time thinking about that for? I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, um, I got my boobs got so big. My hormones, I don't know what happened, but they were so huge. They and they got huge again only like that when I was pregnant. But for some reason, I guess it was a hormonal thing. I was so big. And I, you know, guys were always, their eyes would always go to my boobs. They, I couldn't stop them from bouncing. I was, I was strapping them down. I was wearing two bras, uh, loose clothing. I just didn't want these boobs. And I thought, all right, I'm going to get a breast reduction. I can change this. I can make them a lot smaller. I couldn't afford it at the time. And then later on, by the time I got back around to it, my hormones had settled into a different place. At some point, I'm thinking, wow, it's a good thing I didn't do that. But in the moment, I really I really believed that that was going to be the better thing for me to change, to actually change mm. my breasts. So just in going through those experiences of my own over time of not liking myself for whatever reason and feeling intimidated by and overwhelmed by like what you were saying, like what? is expected of us how we're supposed to look or I've just let go of that. Yeah. Um, this is how I'm supposed to look like, so if, you know, flash bulletin, um, when you look in the mirror and you're you in your own skin talking to myself, this is how I'm supposed to look. Yeah. And you look fucking great. So <laughs> hurrah to that is what I say. Well, you haven't seen me naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will if I get my hands on the pictures. <laughs> it's extraordinary because watching that documentary was, you know, again, it just, that word resilience keeps coming up because of everything you've been through and the pressure that you were under at such a young age with your parents dying tragically uh, when you were 22 and you having the responsibility of your siblings to look after financially. And then you're thrust into the limelight and your your career's kicking off and you're on TV and, and you're in the country music scene. So there's loads more work that you've got to do compared to your male peers. How... How did you, going through all of that that I've listed very quickly, how did you learn to love yourself amongst that? Because you had challenge after challenge in in the most unbelievable ways. How how did you get through that? And Because and, you, you, you had to be your own support network. You had to be your own, you had to parent yourself. You had to be your own mate through all of that. How did you do it? Mind over matter, a lot of mind over matter, um, taking myself to a different place and, you know, uh, living very much in the future helped me a lot. Looking at where I was headed, keeping my focus on where I was going. It's that, I guess, tactic of uh, don't look back and don't look down. So that's what I did. And Again, not saying that I never uh, fell along the way or that I didn't feel lost sometimes, but always reverting back to holding myself responsible for where I ended up. Um, I, I think part of it helped too, because I, as a child, I really didn't have anyone to save me from a lot of the things that I experienced or to protect me from a lot of the things Um so you learn young to find your own strength. Uh, so you, I think it's something you can learn. Yeah. I really do. And that's why I think that 
people that are discouraged out there that are down and I hear these stories all the time, you know, you know, they'll, they'll, they might refer to my music or other people's music to find strength, whatever it is that gives you that, that guides you to your own inner strength is your tool that that is your that's your tool that tool that's your your key um i was forced into finding that too young but i've had this key ever since and i can unlock my my courage when it's buried down deep in there somewhere um and then i have and i've you know through my life i've just learned the skills of rebounding and um you know nobody wants to learn those lessons uh too young anyway but I don't regret. I mean, you know, I just most most of the things I I, I draw from are inspiration from others. To be honest, mm, yeah, same. Storytelling is my jam. I love listening to people talk and tell me their stories, and I will never ever get bored of that or fail to be inspired. It, it, it's the best. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you, all of these years later, found yourself still looking to the future for safety? That's certainly something that I find myself doing in my own life um, due to my own past is looking to the future and, and thinking oh, that's that's where the safety bit is, that's where the comfort is, that's where um, I'll feel okay. Do you still tend to do that because of your childhood? I, I write myself out of the past all the time. So I go back to writing again because that's kind of my self-help place. And so in writing myself out of the past, I would say that, yeah, I probably write myself into the future. I do project myself into the future, but I would say even more so, I look to the possibilities, you know, and when you get creative for me, I'm lucky I've got this creative place. So I, I go into my creative place, start writing melodies, lyrics, stories, concepts, and now I can go anywhere. Now everything's possible. Now there's no, there are no limits. I can write about things I know no one else likes. I can write about things, whatever, that, that, that for whatever reason, I can say whatever I want. It's a no judgment zone. This is called your imagination. Everyone needs this place. And you need to be able to imagine there's something else besides What's bringing you down besides what's behind you, besides what maybe even made you who you are? Um, I'm not saying forget. I don't even want to forget. Um, but I, I also, I need to know there's possibilities. There is hope for, for me to apply what I think is possible and, and actually put it into action, uh, which now goes into, you know, I go from writing the song to recording the song and then sharing the song it's a whole um, metamorphosis how do you get that balance of recognizing the past but not totally forgetting it because i think sometimes people that have had traumatic incidences want that complete blackout it, it needs to go i don't want to think about it how have you found that balance of being able to move forward keep creative 
not ignore the past, but not fall into it, sort of spiral into it? Uh, well, when I think about my own past, I could think about, well, I could sit around now and think if I could probably get myself angry, if I wanted to get myself angry, I could find reasons to be angry, reasons to be resentful, uh, reasons to be in pain emotionally. I just choose not to. Um, I choose not to go there in my emotions. And I don't, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't, I probably would not be a good psychiatrist, first of all, because I'm not qualified. Um, but secondly, secondly, because it's got to be different for every person. I am able, again, for better or for worse, to dream or think myself out of a frame of mind. Um, I remember when we were little kids, me and my sister, we used to have these terrible leg aches, really, really agonizing ones. I don't know why. We were both very athletic and we were just, we were growing, going through puberty. I guess it was just that. But she'd say, oh, my leg, this is sore. I don't know what to do. And I'd say, okay, I'm, I'm like me too. Um, and I'd say, okay, so you just have to, and I would talk her through this. I'd say, okay, now you've got to close your eyes and only feel the parts of your body that don't have pain. So you've got to imagine that that, that pain is severed. It's not attached to your body anymore. And you only feel the parts that aren't hurting. And um, she reminded me of that, you know, a couple months ago, actually over Christmas. Like, remember when you used to tell me? <laughs> like, imagine. And it, uh, it's all about the mind. Mind over matter. The imagination. You, It's so powerful. And this is where self-empowerment comes in. Um you, you can't change maybe what's happening or the reality of something, but you can change the way you are being affected by it. And, you know, this is why the whole Queen of Me album came about. This is why the, the album's called Queen of Me. It's really, it's about taking charge of your identity, um, taking ownership of your perceptions of who you are, um, reflecting on yourself and putting boundaries on anything that tries to get in your way of of achieving that so this album put me in a really happy headspace um and that's again that's this is mind over matter you yeah know? it's not easy it's not, that's why i'm saying i'd be a terrible <laughs> it's like i just like okay come on <laughs> snap out of it go write a song and you'll be all over it <laughs> yeah but i think you're you're more qualified than most to say that because you've been through it you've been through hell and back and you know, and you have picked yourself back up. And like you say, I think it's really important creating boundaries so you don't let stuff in that, that brings you down or that changes your path to achieve what you want to achieve or to feel a certain way. And I, I've been useless at boundaries at times, but it's so important. But it's the boundaries I set on myself. Yeah. And that takes a lot of practice. It's, okay, don't let yourself go there. Don't... You know, let that creep in or or what are you going to do to keep that boundary strong? What do you have to do? What what does it take? Um, I mean, for some people, it takes counting to 10, but there's all kinds of techniques. I mean, um, this is what therapy is for. Um, for me, this is what songwriting is for. Uh, I self-medicate with uh, songwriting. My my risk is when I don't get to songwrite, when I when I'm uh when my schedule doesn't allow for me to write and be creative, I really start to feel it. I'm like, I really need my songwriting. I need to just sit and, you know, meditate on, you know, escaping. 
Mm. It's very much that way. It's very yeah. much an escapism, actually. And then it relieves me, and then I find the relief, and then, and then I'm good. Um, you know, I'm ready to go again. Yeah, I hear you. I don't like that feeling when it starts to creep in. It's bloody awful. Um, would you say that you're, um, because you had so much responsibility as a young person, are you inclined now to be very responsible for those people around you? Do you find yourself looking out for everybody and, and trying to sort of help everybody due to your upbringing and your childhood? I'm, it's actually, I'm very nurturing. I'm very much, I like to be a caregiver, but I'm very selective about it, about who I include in that. Um, because I also recognize that, you know, I learned through all of that, that I've got so many limitations. I mean, I was way too young with way too many responsibilities, grew up way too fast. And I, I understand my limits. Um, and I know that I really need isolation. I need, I like my solitary time. I, I don't have the ability to, I, I'm not even really someone that tries to save everyone. I, 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 I sort of recognize that I'm, I'm limited. I can help. I guess it's kind of like, you know, the on the airplanes, they say, you know, before you put the oxygen mask on anyone else, put it on yourself. And it's really true. I mean, what good are you to anyone else if you can't keep your own self intact? And then that takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Takes a lot of focus. Takes a lot of what maybe some people might even consider selfish. So I do exercise that or I, I, I aim to exercise that as much as I can then, then I can help the people around me, the, those that I love. And, and um, that's really my truth, I think. I, I'm not somebody that believes I can save everyone. Mm. I'm very sympathetic and I'm very empathetic. I'm very, I'm a real bleeding heart, uh, for sure. I lose sleep at night about um, the suffering of other people. But I know that I've got my own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. And it takes, I think, real, um, again, probably you've got to know yourself very well. You've got to have a good level of self-acceptance or self-love and confidence to put those boundaries or specifications in place. I'm very similar that I need time on my own. I can feel myself at total burnout if I've been around people constantly without a break, which is in my house, quite challenging to find that time. Like speaking to you now, I class as alone time because I'm locked out of my house in my little studio, but I need it. And I, and I, I can feel that that burnout happening but like you say sometimes it may be perceived as selfish or you might then turn that on yourself and go oh god I'm being so selfish needing to be on my own or whatever it is that floats your boat that gets you feeling good but perhaps with experience um, you get a bit better at that a bit better at knowing what you need and actioning that absolutely I um you know part of the irony with me is when I finally did uh start enjoying the fruits of so much of my labor a lifetime's worth of labor and and time invested in in my my music and my performing skills and all of that and it was so reluctant as far as being a performer i didn't want to be the performer so just so much uh effort it took to get me to where i was feeling the reward of all of this effort but i was so neglectful of my own my own self that I was miserable and I resented it. So it was, it was, it's, it's a, it's a, the balance is so important and I definitely struggled with it for a very long time. And then, and then I became a mother 
which I so loved. And I indulged so much in that and that I felt guilty for every little thing I did for myself. I'm like, oh my God, no, I can only live for my child. <laughs> I'm only, I, I'm only here for my child. I'm here only to serve, you know? So it's like, okay, I, I go from, I'm only here to serve my family as a child. And then I'm only here to serve my career. And then I'm only here to serve my, my, my child. And I would say that it took me a long time to realize that, you know, that the oxygen mask has to go on you first. Otherwise you're just, um, you're really not your best for anyone else. Do you still feel a, a, a nerves or um, a reluctance to perform to be on stage? Or have you got the balance right where you can, I guess, recuperate in between performances and get yourself on the stage to, to enjoy it? I'm getting better and better at it all the time. I turned a huge corner when after I recovered from the uh, throat surgery because I, all of a sudden I'm like, okay. And, and you know, because the doctor's like, you know, this may not last forever. We don't know how long uh, this will last. So my mindset became more of a an appreciation. And that really overrode the fear. I mean, it's too bad that it took that because I wish I had been able to be on stage years before, you know, with that same sense of, I guess, detachment from that fear, like some just disassociation is a better word. I, I don't, I'm not sure what the right word is, but um now I appreciate the audience so much more. I know what the songs mean to them. I know that the inspiration of me sharing more of my of what is behind the music, so meaning more of myself, uh, which is what goes into the music, giving them more understanding of that um, has been therapeutic for me and in inspirational for them. And so there's so much more that happens on stage than just me singing to people. It's a, a multi-level experience, a multi-dimensional experience that I'm enjoying differently now. And I'm 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 out there thinking, I mean, there's some days where I'm like, oh my God, the show's over already, you know? Mm. And because I enjoy the people watching, you know, so I'm kind of I, I allow myself to be distracted more by by all the other elements, by the other. Uh, dimensions that are happening it's not all about me if that makes any sense it's I know I know you know that sounds a little bit odd um but it's just not all about me uh, when I'm up there I'm I'm there to um to do my thing that people have paid for but the emotions that get exchanged and the dynamics and all the variables are really a, a huge spectrum of, of experiences um, happening. So if I allow myself to um, indulge in all of that, I'm not focusing on, did I hit a wrong note? Am I going to be off pitch? Am I, you know, am I going to be perfect? Of course, I'm not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Of course not. And that's it. It's like looking in the mirror, same thing. Of course, I'm not perfect. Yeah. You know, and so if you, if I'm afraid of not being perfect, I will always resent putting myself out there always yeah I think it's the one of the hardest things again probably disproportionately aimed towards women that that we have to have that acceptance that we're not and we can't be the world will keep telling us that we should be and that we're flawed but we have to like you say face the fears and get to know ourselves and get to like ourselves it's it's all so important um 
I cannot thank you enough for your time because I know how massively busy you are. It's been an absolute joy. I didn't show you these, Shania. Oh, gee, I should have put mine on. I, I'm, I'm, I've worn them just I'm for you. Different. And we're on Zoom. God dang You're it. Barefoot. But you can do what you like. But I thought if I'm interviewing Shania, I'm wearing my rhinestone boots that I've only ever worn once before. So I pulled them out, especially for you. But honestly, I can't thank you enough. And I can't wait to see you on your tour when you're touring around the world. I cannot wait. Well, I look forward to seeing you there too. Thank you. OMG, oh my God, I have no words left. I'm just so obsessed with the fact that I actually co-wrote a song with Shania Twain. That happened, you heard it. <laughs> you really, you actually heard that. I cry on purpose. Let's just, that's the name of the song. Oh my God. Shania's obviously written a lot of other brilliant songs, as well as the one we wrote together, um, which you can hear on her new album, Queen of Me, which is so phenomenal. And it is out right now. I've listened to it relentlessly whilst walking around the park. And if you want more emotional music chat, there was a lot of that on last week's episode with Joanna Lumley. Oh, lovely Joanna. And her maestro husband, Stephen Barlow. Let's carry on talking about music over on Instagram. You can find us at Happy Place Official. The biggest, biggest thanks to wonderful Shania. A gargantuan thanks to producer Anushka Tate. And I don't know a bigger word than gargantuan. Uh, an infinite amount of thanks to you beautiful people. I love you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.